think as the you were singing that song, I just I've been you guys have known that it's been really stuck's not a really appropriate word, but it's a good word. I, it's a good stuck. It's not a bad stuck, but just on the the mindset of God being our Father and a good Father and us you know giving us that ability to be children and you know I think we we well I'll speak for me and I don't think I'm alone. Um, a lot of times we have a picture of Father God, and, and, it, and it's not necessarily a right picture. And we can project our own experiences or other people's experiences, or even just our upbringing in church, our upbringing, and what other people have said Father God is like, if we haven't experienced him for ourselves. And we can project and take that on into our relationships. And uh, I feel like there's been a lot of massaging and working through that over my whole life. And, and I'm just wanted to, to share as they were singing that song like that's I feel like we're in a season and, and it's not just us but I think the church as a whole is in a season um, we've had like the charismatic movement where there's that resurgence of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has been a, a focus a very intense focus and it's a great focus because Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit as comforter while he was gone but I feel like there's a there's a resurgence and a restoration of the father's relationship and, and a father God and being able to, um, and Jesus came with the intent to show us what the father's like, amen, like, and, and when we wonder what, wonder what, wonder what father, anyone ever think that, I wonder what he's like, father God's like, and we can look at Jesus and go, that's exactly what he's like, and we can look at how sweet and tender the presence of the Holy Spirit is and go, well, I wonder if that's what he's like, yeah, they're, they're one, so I just, I just want to encourage you that, like, we can press into that Father God relationship, and we're able to press into that. And and I think we have a picture of times like, and there's messages that are preached, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And I get what that is, but but God's not angry. My father's not angry. That should be a lot. Some of you aren't convinced of that. Like I don't know about you, but when I come and talk, he's not angry. There's times he talks to me like a son because he loves me. But, but it's not like we have this picture, and we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation today, so it's all fitting. We have this picture that, like, we've got to, like, be very careful. Like, don't wake Dad up. Well, is he in a good mood? Is this a good time to come ask? I don't know. Maybe give it another week. He loves you. He loves you. And it's not Jesus, like, wasn't appeasing dad because dad was so mad at us that Jesus had to come and like I got to lay down my life so dad will quit being angry at everybody before the foundations of the world they were all in agreement of how they were going to deal with the sin problem it wasn't like I've got to you know dad's mad and I got to no they love you. They love me. And they're in complete agreement that their love for you is so overwhelming that they were willing to take on the sin of the world. The father was willing to subject and allow the son to go through what he went through. And I don't know, as, as a father, that's a lot of love to be able to agree with the son. And they're all in agreement to watch what happens so that we could all be restored. That's a love like no other. That's a love that you can lean back into the arms of our loving Father. 
Like, you don't have to wonder, like, I don't know, is dad in a good mood today? You can lean back in his loving arms. Like, I still do this with my youngest son, Jesse, who's getting pretty good size, and he doesn't necessarily like it as much, but since he's the baby boy, I still tell him, hey, come here. And he's like, oh, geez, dad, are you serious? Like, get over here. And I make him lay, like, get up in my lap. I'm sitting in a chair, and this kid's laid across me, and I'm like, oh. So I get my arms around him, like, I love you, boy. And he's just like, you can tell he's uncomfortable, and I just keep him there until he gets comfortable. You ever notice that? The closer, the sooner you get comfortable, the sooner you get to get up. (laughs) If I'm a messed up father, I'm fallible. I'm a messed up father compared to Father God. If I'm a messed up father, love my children like that. How much more? I'm not giving you my idea. This is Bible. How much more does our father love us who's infallible? Amen? All right, that was for free. Ephesians 6. For the sake of time, I want to give some time at the end for just the Lord to do whatever he wants. So uh, I don't think I'm going to read the whole passage. I've been reading it over and over. But focusing today on um, just the helmet of salvation. So verse 17. um, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Helmet of salvation. This is something that I've used a lot in my life. I'm in sports. If you play football, you have to put a helmet on. I guess you don't have to, but it's a great idea. (laughs) Um, You ride a motorcycle in California, you have to put a helmet on. Um, Some states you don't have to. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's interesting. I used to be pretty adamant about it. It's dumb law. You shouldn't have to wear a helmet. And I kind of still kind of somewhat like no one should be able to make you do something they want to do. Um, it's a really good idea to put a helmet on. Um, the more I've gotten used to a full face helmet, the more I got used to it, and I think it's probably a pretty good idea. Um, now, and it's, it would be really dumb. Like, it would be really dumb to be like, I have a jacket that's got pads and stuff in it, and I have good gloves, and it's always good to wear really good boots. And it would look really dumb if you're all geared. You ever see like the the, the actually professional motor like motocross guys? to be out there and they got their chest protector on stuff and no helmet. It's just flop. You're like, that looks weird. Or the MotoGP guys in the full leather, big old pads and just, but no helmet. That would be, like, you would go like, there's something wrong with that. Now, if you didn't, nobody had any gear on at all. That that'd make more sense. Okay, they didn't put any gear on. Equally dumb. But to, like, be fully geared up. And this, I just want you, like, if we went all through this whole point of, like, we're putting all this gear on, then we get to the helmet. And we don't put the helmet on. Pretty dumb, right? Just saying, it, 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 it just don't look right. So, helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation. I looked at the word salvation. In this text, it's um, soteria. It is a noun. Now, salvation is pretty cool. It's a noun and a verb. In the noun form, it's soteria. In in the verb form, it's sozo. But in this passage, it's soteria. So. This is where we get our term. If you study um, salvation, it's soteriology. There's a whole study, doctrine of salvation. And if you haven't studied that out, it's super awesome because a lot of us have some jacked up ideas on salvation. So I'm going to say here, oh, Steve, Steve, you're awesome. Look at that. The doctrine of salvation, what does it mean? 
deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation, deliverance from molestation of enemies. How many are glad you got saved? <laughs> How many had been molested by the demonic enemy? In an ethical sense, that which concludes to the soul's safety or salvation. Everyone say souls. Mind, will, emotion. That's what your soul is. Your mind, your will, your emotions have been delivered. Aren't you glad? Your mind, your will, your emotions. If you're a Christian, if, that's a big if. Like, there's those who are saved. There's two types of people in the world. Those who have Christ and those who don't have Christ. Those who have salvation and those who do not have salvation. Those who are free from sin and the penalties of sin and those who are not free and are bound to the wages of sin, which is death. I don't care. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what nation you were born in. It don't matter what age you're in. There's two kinds of people in this world. Salvation is very important. Of a messianic salvation. So there's that, which we're going to look at. Um, salvation as the present possession of all true Christians. A present possession. This is why you guys will hear me talk about, like, there's different thoughts on salvation. There's some people that believe that God has already pre-chosen who's going to be saved. I don't agree with that. Now, that doesn't mean you're not a brother in the Lord because you're saved. You just don't agree with how it happened. Or I don't agree with you on how it happened. I believe the Bible says that salvation is a gift. And God loves the entire world. All, everybody, all of us. And he's given the gift to every one of us on the planet. Now, what is what causes the whole world to not be saved and those who are saved? Reception of the gift. It's a gift. You can put, I could put all these beautiful gifts up here on this altar and say, they're yours. They're for all of you. Every single one of you, there's a $100 bill up here with your name on it. When is it yours? When you take possession of it. The gift of salvation is for every single one in the world. Jesus didn't have a limited salvation. There's not a limited atonement. He didn't die for some and not for others. He died for the world. So what brings the world into salvation? Belief. And if you believe, you will take possession of that belief. It's a faith action step. I believe this is mine. And I'll tell you, when I got saved, it was literally like, that's mine. And when, when you take possession of something so great, let me tell you, you don't just drop it off anywhere. When something's of a value, when I got saved, it, went, it, was, like, it was pretty valuable. And I've grabbed on pretty tightly to that thing, and I haven't let go. And you ain't getting it from me. I promise you that. This is mine. Get your own. Now I'll come show you where I got it, but you can't have mine. It's a gift for every single one of us, but we have to hunger and thirst and go, I want that. You mean I can have that? Yes, it's yours. Give it to me. present possession of all true Christians. And then there's a future salvation. Ooh. You mean it gets better than this? 
it's pretty dang good. Like, if you've been saved from death and come to life, and then you're going to tell me it gets better? I'm in. This is a future salvation. The sum of benefits and blessings which the Christians who are redeemed from all earthly ills will enjoy. (laughs) There's a lot of earthly ills. Redeemed from all of them will enjoy after the visible return of Christ from heaven in the consummated and eternal kingdom of God. So you can take possession of salvation now, and there's also a salvation to come. You haven't got all of it yet. Oh, I like that helmet. I'll guarantee you, if you present a helmet like that, I want that. Now, A.W. Pink said this about a fourfold salvation. I I like this. He says, "A a fourfold salvation is saved from the penalty, power, present, and most importantly, the pleasure of sin. Saved from the penalty, the power of sin, the presence of sin, and most importantly, the pleasure of sin. Now that one, I was like, hmm? Think about it. I don't know about you, but if you really get saved, even the pleasure, like, the pleasure of sin gets jacked up. Like, it ain't pleasurable anymore. Like, you can still do it, but like you used to do it, you'd be like, this is awesome. And then you get saved, and it's kind of like, oh, this isn't awesome. Like, that don't taste so good anymore. That don't feel so good anymore. Yeah, I don't think this is for me. Aren't you glad you've been saved? You've been saved from the power that sin had in your life. Not that you can't sin, but it doesn't have power over you anymore. You have power over it. That's salvation. Doesn't mean you can't sin, but you're not powerless to sin. If you sin, if you sin, you have an advocate. Like you can, I just don't want to anymore. And when you're an early Christian, you haven't figured all that out yet, so you do it more. You make more messes. And our good father isn't like, dude, one more time, I'm going to boot you. He's given you salvation. And as long as you haven't pushed it away and you're still waddling, wanting to be saved and wanting your will is submitted, he's like, boy, yep, come here. Let me clean you up. You made a mess again. Come on. A good father doesn't beat the crap out of his kids when they stumble or trip. He's not like, oh, you dummy. Let me get that. I'm going to beat you. You're two years old and you stumbled. Never do that again. I'll beat it out of them. No. A good father knows when your kids are young, they make a lot of mistakes. And as they get older, they're still going to make some mistakes. Actually, when they get bigger, they actually make bigger messes. That's what I've learned. Little kids, little messes. Big kids, bigger messes. Do you think our father knows that? Yep. Save from the penalty, the power, the presence. So, still looking at salvation let's sum it up this way salvation bridges the gap between two extremes 
Now, we'd want to say God's like anger, and then we, Jesus has to bridge the gap between angry God and, and sinful man. But I'd say this. Salvation bridges the gap between two extremes, man's sinfulness and God's holiness. That's what bridges the gap. Salvation bridges that gap. Before the first sin was ever committed, the Lord planned and provided for our way of escape from the condemnation of sin. Do you hear that? From the condemnation of sin. Sin brings condemnation. Sin brings its own punishment. What's the Bible said? The wages of sin is death. It's not God being angry with you. It's the wage that you earned. Sin is penalizing you. Sin is punishing you. How many, when you walked in sin and you were openly in rebellion to God and you're saying, I don't want nothing to do with you, he was reaching out to you the whole time. God was pursuing me, loving on me, wooing me. But guess what I was reaping? I wasn't reaping an angry God. I was reaping the penalty of sin in my life. So salvation bridges the gap, the gap between the holiness of God. Let me, let me, I'm going to speak to this in you some more. I think we need to. We, we think that God is like, he can't look at it. He can't, are you kidding me? He can look at it. It's us that, that don't come to him. God is a never pulled away from, oh, you're too dirty. I can't stand the smell of you, boy. No, it's us that are so dirty and we stink and we're condemned in our guilt and shame and we go, I can't come before a holy God. I can't come before him. We pull ourselves away. We assume, oh, dad's going to punish me. Am I crazy? Like, that's what we do. It ain't God doing that. It's us. So we need to get a, a true understanding of salvation. That's why it's so important to put on the helmet of salvation. Not your salvation. Not what you think salvation is. All this armor is his armor. So you put on what salvation really is. Amen? Now, this helmet, it's pretty awesome. I think we're going to talk about salvation. Think about it this way. Those of us who know it best, which, you know what? The Bible says this. If you've been forgiven much, you love much. So I know a little thing about salvation because I was, and we're, we're all lost. Some of us were just further in the dark, right? Like you, you, you done went all about as far as you can go. Now, the cool thing about salvation, it don't matter. This salvation thing that God did is so ridiculously awesome that there's no loophole. There's no, there's no if, and, or but, and it is bulletproof. If, if I was going to seriously talk about salvation, we'd be doing this for six months, easy. Now, what blows my mind is that think about all the different kinds of sin there are. There's a lot. <laughs> People, we're, we're inventing new, new ways. Like, it, it's a, there's a lot out there. Now, think about, like, we would think, okay, well, this, if you do this, then you got to do this. Right? And we try to please God that way. Okay, well, I messed up here, so then, like, and there's certain religions that it's okay, well, give me... Forget it, I'll go with two Hail Marys and a, <laughs> like you got to do these things, it's got to add up to a certain, no, there's one salvation, 
I don't care what sin you bring to the table. I don't care how long you've been in it. I don't care what your culture is. It doesn't matter what grandma and grandpa did. There's one salvation that wipes the the slate clean for all of it. And his name is Jesus. Think about that. This, I started thinking about it. I'm like, this is wild. This is, this doesn't make sense to the world. Like it makes sense that, well, this has to equal this other thing. And if this is over here, then this other thing has to, like God's not trying to figure out what to do. He figured it out before the foundations of the world. He figured it out before Eve and Adam ever messed this thing up. He already knew they were. And he knew what he was going to do. This helmet is a one-size-fits-all. That's good. I never thought about that. And most of the time, it ain't one size. If you were built like me, one size don't fit all. I don't know if you can tell. It don't maybe, maybe look like it, but my head is a lot bigger than it looks. If it was perfectly round, you would see it. It's more long, thank God. Otherwise, it'd be about that wide. But those one-size-fit-all hats aren't so. Jesus' salvation, one-size-fits-all. I don't care how much sin you brought to the table. I don't care how long you were in it. Like, you can take Saul, who persecuted Christians, and he got the same salvation and God made him the greatest apostle. It wasn't like, well, Saul, you're going to have to do this, this, and this for 20 years because you were 20 years a knucklehead. Right? That would make sense to us. Oh, you got this much more sin? You got to do this much more penance. You got a little sin? Okay, you do a little penance. Nope. We all got to go to the same place. We all got to go to the cross. We all got to go to Christ. There's only one way. There's not 10 ways. There's not 150 ways. There's not as many different ways as there is different sin. There's one. It's Jesus. It's the one helmet. And it fits all of us. And if you don't put it on, you're not saved. Don't matter how much money you got. It don't matter grandma and grandpa's religion. None of the, If you don't put on the helmet, you don't have salvation. one and only plan is needed to meet the vast array of spiritual need of the limitless varieties of the needs of man. There's a limitless variety of needs in men. And then you put in woman. That's a whole other limitless needs. Let me tell you. There's probably less limitless needs for the women than the men. How's that? Thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Then you have cultures. Different areas of the world. Doesn't matter. you don't think I'm making this up. First Timothy chapter two, verse three through six. Can you put that up there? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior who desires circle all who desires all men to be saved. Huh? Does God like this? How do you, I don't know how you can think otherwise who desires all men to be saved. 
And God's not failing if all men aren't saved. That's the thought. Well, then, then God failed if all men aren't. No, God gave us free will. It started that way in the garden. If you're not saved, that's your fault. You have rejected salvation. And God has honored your will. Well, God, he, he's, he's mean. No, he's honoring you. He didn't force himself on me. When I said, leave me alone, he said, son, I love you, but I'm going to honor what you want. I hope you change your mind. I, I'm praying that you change your mind. But, but he already did everything he was going to do. was already there and provided. He didn't need to go do anything else. I needed to come to the recognition of, I need you. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why we're preaching this. It's, it's a simple gospel. And I know there's probably some like, Pastor Steve, I've been saved a long time. Like, this is elementary. Well, we're doing elementary. Because I don't think a lot of the church has got this. Or they have a form of it. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator. There's one God, guys. This is going to get pushed and tested a lot in the days to come. This is the biggest thing. Oh, we just kind of coexist, and there's many ways, many paths to heaven. That's that's the one world religion today. I don't know if you know this, and I don't try to get too into uh, this ain't political. It's just truth. Like the c- Catholicism, which is we'll just that's termed Christianity worldwide. The Muslim um, religion is coming together, and Jews. There will be, and it's it's already in the works. There are already leaders of all those three are working together. Guess what? I don't care how many people do it. I don't care how many people say, well, there's we need to synchronize, and we'll all be together as one. No. The only way we're going to synchronize is if you all come in through Jesus. If you all put on that helmet, then we're synchronized. If you don't put on the helmet, we ain't synchronized. That kind of teaching right there, the truth, is going to be very, very, very unpopular. It's actually unpopular now. But it hasn't even yet begun to get unpopular yet. So you better know the truth. You better know where you're going to do with that truth when that day comes. Because this, this issue right here, salvation, is the issue. There's people in Africa, there's people, there's Muslims right now. They, they don't ask, like, they ask, are you a Muslim or not? Are you a Muslim or are you a Christian? If you say Christian, you're dead. That's the choice. Do you believe in Jesus as your Savior? That's what they're saying. Do you believe in salvation? Like he's the way? Yes, I do. Okay. Off with your head. You better know where your salvation lies. You better know how you have salvation and how important salvation is. He wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. What's that mean? This is the beauty. Like, God's plan is so ridiculously awesome. In order to have a true mediator, you would have to have someone stand in the place of God and someone stand in the place of man and represent man. In order to have a mediator, you have to have someone represent God. Are you with me? To be able to mediate between God and men. And guess who that is? 
the God-man, who is 100% God, 100% man, that brings the two together and mediates it and frees man. Come on, that is salvation. Jesus is that mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself, uh-oh, here we go again, a ransom for who? All. A ransom for all. It means he's paid the debt for all. He paid the price of salvation for every single person on the planet and those to be born. It's paid, paid in full. It is finished. Now this, I speeded up. This helmet is the last piece of armor to go on. You ever notice that? Like you don't put anyone that rides that, you don't put your helmet on first. You do all your stuff and then I put my helmet on. Like this is the last piece of, of, of covering that's, that's here in, in, in Ephesians. And it's the last piece of armor, but it's not the least important. The helmet protects what I'd call command central for the rest of the body. This is command central, is it not? I mean, no, like none of this stuff functions if this isn't right. If, if that heart is very important, but guess what? If, if it doesn't send electric current signal from the brain to beat, it don't beat. You're breathing, not even thinking about it. Isn't that cool? Like, I don't have to like, oh man, I forgot to tell my heart to beat. I forgot to tell myself to take a breath. This is command central. You best protect that with that helmet. It's pretty important. If the head's badly wounded, the rest of the armor is of little use. We've got to protect our head. Now let's look at that. This isn't a one and done event. Some of you can pick up on that. This is not a one, on one and done event. We must grab the helmet, buckle up for the ongoing battles of fear and doubt and accusation and all of Satan's schemes against our soul. This isn't a one and done. Well, I got saved that one time. I'm good. I do whatever I want now. Well, I, got, I put on a helmet one time. But you're riding a motorcycle today. Yeah, but I put a helmet on like when I first started riding. Well, how's that working? Are you with me? Like, you, you got to get up in the morning and go like, I better put my helmet on. <laughs> that doesn't mean you have to come to the altar, which you're going to see. You ain't got to come to the altar every day. His salvation is so good. That you ain't got to come to the altar and get like re-saved every day. But you do need to step into what his salvation is every day. Because the one time I, I wore a helmet once, <laughs> that ain't going to help you out too much. We got to buckle it up. I did this the other day, so it made me think of it. I just was riding from right here to over to the tire shop because I needed a new tire. So I was like, I'm just going from right there, right there. Like, I'm going to buckle the dumb thing up. And so I just stuck it on there. Probably not the smartest thing. As I'm riding, I'm like, you know, if you did get hit, your helmet's going to fly off your head. Yep, probably shouldn't do that again. You should probably buckle it up. Actually, how it was intended, you should probably step in it how it was intended. Amen? Not just make up our own little rules of how it works. 
hurt me. I thought I was doing good. I worked on this for a week. Oh, man, Holy Spirit. Hmm. Hmm. That was a... This is an ongoing battle. And he's got some schemes against our souls. That's what that helmet's protecting. Your mind. In there is your will and your emotions. How, some of you might think, my mind's pretty good with the Lord, and I've some surrendered my will, and I feel like I'm pretty, pretty well there most of the time. I'm still working on the emotions. My, some of my emotions aren't safe. I don't know. Like, I thought I got all of it. Some of them aren't wanting to die. Some of them are like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Actually, I know who you are. <laughs> you shouldn't be in me. He wants us completely saved. Mind, will, emotions. Now, this is something that Satan actually knows this. He knows it very well. We just don't talk about it. He knows he no longer has all power over us. But most of us, his children, don't live like they do now. You see, he knows he doesn't have power over you. If you, if you are saved, if you've put on the helmet of salvation, he doesn't have power over you. He doesn't have authority over you. But a lot of us don't live like that. And that's the problem. That's why we need to understand what salvation is. Amen? So we live with an unprotected head. Putting on salvation, we understand who we are. We understand that we have power, that we have authority. That's what salvation brings. It, it brings an understanding and knowledge of what Christ has done for us. He has made us sons and daughters of God. What has given us power and authority. It's not yours, it's his. But because you're his son and you're his daughter, you have an inheritance. And you have power and authority. And Satan will rule you along and he will mislead you and talk to you and, and act like you don't. As long as we'll act like with him and say, oh, I don't. As long as you'll let him tell you how it's going to be and how it's going to go. And this is how long it's going to work. And you're not going to have deliverance now because, and you just keep following along. And guess what's going to happen? You won't have deliverance. You won't have full salvation. You won't have the healings and all the other things that God wants to do in your life that he's provided for. So we have to put on what is salvation. It, and it's reinstating that, wait a minute, I have been redeemed. I have been purchased with a price. I am a son. I am a daughter. I have authority and power. I have legal rights. I have an inheritance. I've been gifted things because I'm his child. I don't have to give this up. And then we put, we don't have to give it up if you messed up. Like he's, oh, you messed, you can't have that now. Well, if only if you stay really good for three or four weeks and you don't mess up, then you can use your gift. 
Well, if you don't mess up, now you're trying to please God that was already pleased by what you're doing. And if you're trying, Paul said, if you're trying to please God that way, then Christ died in vain. That's what Paul said. He said, if you're trying to please God by what you're doing or not doing, then Jesus died in vain. That means you're trying to make yourself holy by what you're doing. And let me tell you, you don't get no holier than when the blood of Jesus is applied to you. You may grow in sanctification. That's a process of growth. You're naturally going to keep growing. But you were made holy. The blood of Jesus makes you holy. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. That needs to sink in. Like, we don't necessarily believe that. Yeah, but I messed up. It was paid for. The sin of the world. Even the sin that he knew you're going to commit. So if you don't agree with that, that means every time you sin, you got to go to the altar and he deals with that one. Why why don't we got to keep putting Jesus back on the cross? You mean Jesus got to go back to the cross every time you mess up? No. He saved you. He, He said, it is finished. And, and here's the truth. Here's what I'm, this is the area I'm growing in. Now when I sin, it actually doesn't drive me away from God because God isn't angry with me. I'm a son. It draws me closer to him. I'm so overwhelmed with his love and his goodness that even though I was a knucklehead, even though I'm messing up, he has not pulled back his love from me. He has only come closer and said, son, I love you. Don't, don't let that limit you. I've already taken care of that. It is finished. I've washed it all away. I see you as if you've never sinned. What are you talking about? Get in here. That is the truth. And if you know the truth, it sets you free. And you are free. You can come boldly into the throne room of grace as a son or a daughter, not as an orphan. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really in or not. I don't know. Do I really have his last name? And you're always never really sure. Oh, the devil loves that. He's like, I'm glad they're not sure, because I'm sure. I'm sure if they really know it, I'm in trouble. We have the power and authority, not him. With the helmet of salvation, we destroy every argument and opinion against the knowledge of God to take every thought captive. Did you hear me? That's 2 Corinthians 10, 5. With the helmet of salvation, we can destroy every argument and opinion against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. This thing with salvation, you here's, I picked this up this last week. Whatever, if we will train our mind and we will take possession of our thoughts and you will learn to do that and replace that thought with a truth from Scripture, you won't have to worry about what comes out of your mouth. Because the stuff that comes out of our mouth is because we haven't taken our thoughts captive. At least for me. I start dwelling and thinking upon things that aren't true. Think, oh, I'm less than, or, or this person thinks this and this and this and all this other stuff. And pretty soon we start speaking things. But we'll take captive the thought and go, I didn't, is this true? Is this, is this honorable? Is this encouraging? 
And if it's not, then I'm going to take the scripture and go right, right at it right then and there and deal with it so I don't even have to speak it. This helmet that protects our mind, if the thoughts and those arrows that are trying to come at us have to come through salvation, the truth of salvation, it's going to deal with a lot of stuff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to free us. We're not going to have to rerun around, oh my gosh, so-and-so said this, or I can't believe they did this. And I know who I am. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. It doesn't matter. Like my, Your opinions of me aren't going to crush me. Because I know who I am. Everyone else's thoughts and what they're saying are about it, it's not. It's not. I'm not saying I'm not human. Yeah, those things can hurt and they're not fun, but it's not going to change the course of my life. I'm gonna get up the next day and put on the armor of God. I'm gonna get in my Word because I know I'm His son. I'm I'm convinced of it, and I'm not an orphan. He looks at me and there's pleasure. And, and I'm learning this one. Even when I know I did something stupid, he's still looking at me as if I didn't. And that is awesome. That is so awesome to know because I've tested it out, not on purpose. <laughs> We're not doing what Paul said, like, I'm going to sin more so the grace of God will increase. No. No, we're not doing that. But if you do, you have an advocate. And that advocate's not so much to go, like, arm wrestle with God to convince him that we're okay. It's so that we will know, like, hey, your sins have been forgiven. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. He sees you as if you've never sinned. So get on back in there. The helmet helps. Can you put, um, can you put the picture of the helmet? Look at that thing. I want you to take a look at some things. I never thought about in these helmets. There's a visor on that. The, the little one comes down low over the eyes. Now, if you tilt this down just a little bit, that little bit, it's going to protect, protect your eyes. You see how around the ears it pops out a little bit? The ears are covered. Look at how long the back of that thing covers. That's protecting your neck. Now, you take a blow to the neck, it's going to paralyze you. Salvation keeps you from being paralyzed with fear. Fear paralyzes. I don't know if anyone's ever dealt with that. Um, fear will paralyze you. It will stop you in your tracks. You will not move. That is the whole motive of fear is to paralyze you, to keep you from going forward, to freeze you. Helmet of salvation protects your neck protects you from getting paralyzed by fear. The helmet of salvation protects your ears, protects your eyes. Also, obviously, the mind, the, the will, the emotions, the skull zone. This helmet's very important. What do you think about the eyes? Why do we need our eyes covered? Am I in order of this? I don't even know. Protects our, well, ears, my bad. Protects our ears. So we can replace the I can'ts. Anyone ever hear those things from the enemy? You can't do that. You'll never be able to do that. You're never going to be free from that. You're never going to. You ever hear those like those I can'ts? It, it, that helmet provides the ability that when those I can'ts come, you can change those quickly into I can. 
is protecting your ears. So anytime an I can't comes, you can identify. And I want you to do this. Like anytime you hear those from the, from the enemy, I can't, turn it around quickly to I can. And, and find a scripture. The easiest one is I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do very much on my own, but I can do all things. And that's not like make a million bucks or play professional basketball. The list of I can do all things was I can deal with being shipwrecked. I can deal with being homeless. I can deal with being out clothes. I can deal with being stoned. I can deal with, I can do all things through Christ. You can't do that. No, I can. It protects your ears. It protects our, our ears also so we can hear. I talked about this a few weeks back. It protects our ears so we can hear the voice of the commander of heaven's armies. We, we need to have our ears protected so we can hear that voice. If we're unprotected, we don't have a helmet of salvation on. We're hearing lots of different voices, and we get easily confused. Anyone been there? Lots of voices. There's lots of things being said. There's lot. I don't really know what I should do. I don't know if God's saying this. I don't know. If I, we start going, I don't know if it was God or the devil. I don't even know. Well, if you don't know if it's God or the devil, you definitely don't have a helmet on. Right? Like, if you have the helmet of salvation on, it's pretty quickly easy to identify. That's not God. That's not, it's not life. It's not light. It's not hope. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. Right? It's, if it's any part of that, then that ain't from the Lord. But I'm going to need that helmet of salvation on to be able to hear very quickly. I'm going to need it on to, to, to see what's true and what's not. The helmet helps us renew our minds. How many need your minds renewed? Like, I don't know about you, but there is, we're being, trying to be brainwashed and programmed. Like, you, you, the, the, the enemy's trying to program you. And we need to have a renewed mind. We need to create new mindsets. How many, when you got saved, you had to start creating some new mindsets? And the Holy Spirit would allow you to start speaking things into your life to give you a new mindset. And if you haven't changed your mindsets, they need to be changed. How many, when you got saved, you had to get some new emotions? Like, I'm, I'm still having to, like, this one isn't okay. Like, we need, I need to replace that one. Which means, if there's a continual area of an emotional deficit, I need to go past the emotional thing and go, what's the need? And we don't like to go there. No, I don't want to be needy. I don't want to be seen as needy. Well, guess what? We're all needy. <laughs> We're in need of a helmet. We're in need of a savior. I ran from the Lord for a long time because I didn't want to be needy. I got this. I can do this. I don't have this, and I know I can't do this. That's what I learned. Convinced of it fully. It keeps us from getting paralyzed. need our eyes protected so we don't damage or have our eyes and our vision damaged. You hear me? How many of you guys given vision? I'm not talking about natural. How are you going to protect the vision that God's given you if you're not putting on the helmet? Because the, I'll tell you, the devil's afraid of that vision. He's, he don't care too much about your this vision. He's really afraid of supernatural vision. He's afraid of the dreams and the desires that God's placed in you. 
How many know even when you weren't saved, God put dreams and desires and visions inside of you? And no matter what you think, this is the craziest thing. I thought I, if anyone could have messed with that plan up, he's got the most amazing GPS. It's ridiculous. He's just like, well, refiguring, boom. There you go. This is how we get on track. I'm like, I wonder if it's over here. His plan and purpose and vision for my life, I didn't jack it up. I went a different route. I went a different route. It was a bumpier route. It was a twisty route. It was a longer route. It wasn't the best route. But guess what? I landed at the destination I needed to land at. And so will you. Don't give up on your dreams and your vision. Don't allow the enemy to steal those dreams and visions. That helmet of salvation protects your supernatural vision. Don't go blind. Sin will blind you. Don't go blind. Keep the helmet on. The helmet also protects how we see things. I am closing up. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity, so so I'm not lying either. (laughs) Protect how you see things. There's ever a day and age that we, we need to really be protected on what we're seeing and how we see things even today. You are being bombarded visually. You can't, there's no way you turn. Everywhere you turn, it's boom, boom, boom. There's messages being, and it's it's pushed. And in all areas of media and movies and music and every form of culture are all in it together, pushing the same messages. So you got to see things from his perspective got to see things from his worldview. You got to see things from hopelessness, right? We're looking at things and it's just, it's just being pushed. Hopelessness. There's no hope. It's just worse and worse. And, and I'm like, dude, it is. That's, that's why, like, I'm not really paying attention to much of that because it's not before me very much and it's really good. I'm just saying, like, I'm enjoying this. It's not just I'm in front of truth, and I like it, and it, it's it's a very good um, protector. I like the helmet of salvation. I like listening to what he's saying. I like seeing what he wants me to see. I like not being afraid. Fear makes us cowards. It. I forget who said it, but it was it was a. Um, it might have been like Alexander the Great or someone that was like a world conqueror he basically said and I, I'm gonna, I may butcher it but he says I'm not afraid of 10,000 lions led by a sheep he said but I'm afraid of 10,000 sheep led by a lion that's straight up I, d- I can't afford you can't afford for me to be a sheep men your families can't afford for you to be sheep. Women, your families can't afford for you to be sheep. I'm looking at you, young people. That school can't afford for you to be sheep. He's looking for some lions. 
And that's only going to come if you have your armor on, you have that helmet of salvation, you know whose you are. You're seeing with his vision. You're hearing with his voice. See, this worldview will make you feel like you're helpless. This worldview is perverse. That means twisted. It's not in true alignment. It is perverse. This worldview, you need his worldview. See, his worldview is going to tell you, no, it's not okay for two guys to be married. It's not okay. And guess what? It's not okay for a man and woman to live together and not be married. Shout now. It's not okay, men, to look at pornography. Or you, ladies, to be wrapped up in romance novels that are just as evil. I'm an equal opportunity offender today. <laughs> it's the truth. We've got to protect our eyes. We've got to protect our thoughts. You know how many different, there, there's, actually, I think sometimes the, well, especially for a woman, it ain't so much the visual, but that uh, romance in the mind, that's a dangerous thing. I really don't have a list I'm trying to finish, so. <laughs> Anyone else? No. That helmet keeps, the most important thing is that helmet keeps our focus on the eternal. One of the, one of the biggest things this world wants to do is get you focused on right now. Right now. The lust of the flesh, now. The lust of the eyes, now. Pride, power, we need to have a, a perspective that's coming through this helmet of salvation to know that I've been saved and there's also a salvation to come. All this right now, I don't need to be too worried about every little thing right now. I don't need stuff right now. I need to be and have patience with the Lord. I need to walk in step with him, not get 20 steps out in front of him. I need to make all this money right now. No, you need to stay in step with the Lord. You need to, you need to keep your vision in line with his vision. You need your focus and perspective to be on eternal things, not temporary things. It ain't going to happen without that helmet on. It protects our eyes from needing to go elsewhere to fulfill needs outside of salvation. I'd write that one down. I felt like Holy Spirit bomb when I was writing that one down. It protects our eyes from needing to go elsewhere, right? Your eyes start looking at other places, other things. It protects our eyes from needing to go elsewhere to fulfill needs outside of salvation. Guess what? There isn't a need that you have outside of salvation. But the enemy start getting you, oh, you need this. That's what happened in the garden. Oh, I need that. One piece of fruit that the Lord said, that isn't for you. Oh, but I need it. The Bible said, and it looked good. It looked good to eat. Well, of course it did. You wouldn't be tempted to eat if it didn't look good. I need a helmet of salvation to protect my eyes. There's nothing I need outside of him. 
there's not. Everything I need is in here. So we shouldn't be going looking elsewhere. Actually, that verse is awesome. Glad you didn't hear it. Good, glad you do, because I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> First John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. Did you hear that? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And guess what? I'd highlight this. The world is passing away. All those things aren't eternal. They're passing away. And the lust of it. You know what? It's so funny because guess what? When this world passes away, we will have no desire for any of it. It's just temporary things. And it's those little temporary things that will rob us from the eternal. I need a helmet of salvation. It says, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Abides. That's a good word. You know the whole, like, the vine and the branches? I'm going to mess up this message someday. I haven't got to preach it, so I'm going to just mess it up and I'll tell you what the Lord showed me. And it's the coolest thing. If, if we abide in him, guess what? He abides in us, right? And in this picture of the vine and branches, I used to freak out of, like, I got I to gotta do all this stuff. No. I just got, like, one job. Abide in him. If I remain in him, all the nutrients come where they're supposed to go. The leaves come on when they're supposed to come on. The fruit comes on when it's supposed to come on. It even gets harvested without me knowing anything about it or needing to know about it. I just have to abide. That means remain in him. And all the stuff gets taken care of. Abide in him. You can't abide in him without the helmet. Because you're going to think, i got to abide in this, i got to abide in that. I, I, there's so many things drawing us away from the most important thing. This, this is the most dangerous day and age that I think there's been yet. But it's not also going to be the most glorious one. Here's why. There's ne- I don't believe there's ever been a day that there's been so many things to draw us away. Which means when the church says, I don't want any of those, there's going to be a glory poured out like I've never seen. How many is that hitting you? Guess what? It was, it was when Moses could have said at the table of Pharaoh. And he said, no, I don't want those things. And he was out in the desert with who? The burning bush, the presence of God. And he, w- he pushed aside those things that were temporary, the king's meat, the, all the women, all the other things, all, all the stuff. Same thing with Joseph. There's a pattern there, church. We need to pay attention to that pattern. If we'll place the helmet of salvation and say, everything I need is in you, Jesus. I'm not going to be misled by the lust of the flesh. I'm going I'm to subject my flesh to you. I'm going to submit it to you. And I'll tell you, a good way to do that is fasting. You want to kill your flesh? Starve it. And guess what the Holy Spirit will do? Supernatural. Sin will look like, I want nothing to do with that. His voice will get very, very clear. And you're not like, I'm going to go fast and make God bless me. It don't work like that. 
you submit your life to him, you go, God, I want some things in my, I want my natural flesh to die. I want to be closer to you. And guess what's going to happen? He's abiding in you. And you're abiding in him. And fruit starts. You're like, whoa, how'd that happen? I don't even have to know. I just got to abide. That's a whole free message. The lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 calls the helmet the hope of salvation. How many like that? The hope of salvation. It protects the mind and the will of a Christian. You know that? Hope protects your will. You don't have hope, your will will start getting a little topsy-turvy and getting a little bent here and there. Oh, I don't know if I'm really in this or not. I don't. Things start getting a little rough. Oh, I don't know. The hope of salvation keeps us. You know what? It might be rough now, but I know Jesus is coming. You know what? It might be a little. I know Jesus is coming. I know salvation. The full manifestation of salvation is on its way. You know what? I might be sick in body right now, but I know Jesus is coming. I know I've been saved, and I know in Isaiah 53, it, it's provided. He foretold what salvation is going to look like. So if I do have a mental illness, it can be whole and restored. If I do have sickness in body, I can be well. If I do have something going on in my emotions, I can be saved. I can be renewed by the renewing of my mind. I can meditate on Scripture, and I can get the truth, and it will set me free. protects the mind and will of a Christian. Our minds need protection, and we must continue to will to serve the Lord. It wasn't a one-time thing that you, I willed. How, how many have had your will kind of fluctuate here and there at different times? I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, we all have. So we got to renew, and we got to keep that, hey, I've been saved. I'm not going to let that thing like, and it will attack that the father's good. It will attack that. He loves you. It will attack like he's not faithful. I don't know if I can trust him. It's going to attack that. You've got to have an arm. Guys. No, there's no, 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 no possible way. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. No, I know who I am. I'm a son. He's proven his love for me and the world. Amen. Our hope's in the knowledge of full salvation. We have a joyful, listen to me, church, we have a joyful expectation. This world wants to rob you of your joy. How can the world rob you of a joy if this world didn't give it to me? The world hasn't given me joy. Jesus gave me joy. The world didn't even give me happiness. It did for a while, some things, but it wasn't permanent. Like, it gave me that so it could take it away. But joy comes from the Lord. And how many know the joy of the Lord is our strength? And how do you know where you get joy? In His presence is what the Scripture says. In His presence is fullness of joy. So that means if you need to have your strength renewed, that you need to be in His presence. And if you get in His presence, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Come on. We have a joyful expectation. I don't know about you, but I have a joyful expectation. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what CNN says. It doesn't matter what Fox says. It, I have a joyful expectation. I know my, my father is sending his son 
and he's coming for his bride. And I'm good to be a bride. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm, no, don't, get, don't get weird. Like, I ain't going to be your bride. Let's get this straight. I'm his bride. He's preparing a place for me. He's coming for me. I'm expecting that joyfully. We have a promise that we're going to experience now, and we have a promise that we're going to experience in full measure to come. I don't know, if, if you can't, if you're not in joy serving him right now, this helmet ain't on right. It, you, you might got it on backwards or something. I don't know, you're not able to see out. Like, spin that thing back around and get it right. Serving God isn't drudgery. It's joy. on the, we call it the safety razor. I would appreciate even better if that was on 10 minutes ago. No, I'm just messing with you. Here's the truth I believe. I'll never be defeated if I have hope. It's when you don't have hope. See, I've, I've had that in my life. Some, I don't know if some of you maybe you not have ever experienced that, but I was in a place at one point in my life, and I believed in God. I just wasn't walking with him. And I literally made a statement. My mom made a statement to me. She said, son, God can do anything. He created the heaven. Or he said, God can do anything. And a, a judge gave me a, a this is what it's going to look like. And it was, I had hope. No, there's no hope. I was done. She said, son, God can do anything. And I said, mom. I believe that God created heaven. I believe he created the earth, but there ain't blank he can do about this. That's hopeless. Well, guess what? God's God, and I'm not. As long as you have hope, you'll never be defeated. It don't matter what it looks like. It don't matter. Well, that's looking pretty. Man, I got hope. What do you do with people like that? Like, what do you do with people? They just have hope. They're like, 99% chance that it's going to rain tomorrow. And they're going out with shorts and, what are you, what are you doing? Well, there's 1% chance it ain't going to rain. I'm going. What? I have hope. As long as I'm here. There's hope. Jesus is with me. I know who I am. I have a helmet of salvation. I'm looking through and seeing through that. I'm hearing. I'm not hearing all the drama. I'm not hearing all the lies. I'm not, I'm not entertaining. I'm taking those thoughts captive, and I'm speaking the truth about what Jesus has said over the situation, which means I have hope. And as long as I have hope, you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Like, he can cause, in the middle of a battle, the sun to stand still. I wouldn't even thought to do that. Joshua believed all things were possible. 
to those who believe. If you're a believer, it means you have hope. You know there's more to come. You know he isn't done yet. Like, dude, I've read the back of the book. We're good. I've read the front of the book. We're good. Like, do you know the front of the book tells us what the back of the book is? It is. We were in a garden with our Father in a perfect environment. Perfect love casts out all fear. Adam and Eve were not afraid. What happened when sin came into the garden? They hid. They put on covering. They distanced themselves from God. Look at what happened in the garden. God came to them. He came to them. He provided covering for them. He said, who told you you were naked? You know what the, the end is going to look like? The garden. No sin. No death. Perfect relationship. As, is, as it was intended in the beginning. That's the hope. I don't, I mean, not that I don't care, but I really don't. Like, whatever's going to happen, I mean, I'm going to do my thing. Like, I'm going to be Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to get down. Like, I'm going to talk to people about Jesus. I'm going to give them hope when people are just hopeless. I'm going to speak hope. I'm going to speak the truth and love. I'm going to get mine. But, but at the end of the day, this is not my home. I'm looking for a better place where there is no pain. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no death. There is no separation from God. permanent home. You'll never be defeated if you have hope. You'll never be mastered if you have hope. You'll never be controlled if you have hope. You'll never be manipulated when you have hope. And you'll never be overpowered. It don't matter. We just read, if you've been reading Immerse, there's this little guy named David and this big guy named Goliath. David had hope. What do you do with people like that? What do you do with people that are like, actually, Saul, I, I can't wear your armor. I can't wear your armor, world. I need to put on God's armor. And God's armor might look as foolish as David's. Five stones and a slingshot. But with God, all things are possible. Come on, somebody. This is the day and age that we're in. You got some giants to slay. There's a bunch of them. But I want the promised land. So I'm willing to take some giants out. But I'm going to put his armor on. Because I'm tired of getting whooped. Or I'm tired of taking ground and then giving it back. No, let's keep going. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Come on. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, <laughs> but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're not carnal. Like we think nuclear something. <laughs> That's carnal. The weapons of our warfare, they're supernatural. They're super powerful. They will pull down uh, principalities and demons, demonic forces, and, and all the stuff that's like influencing our culture and our world today. It's not men influencing it, it's demons. It's the same spirits that were influencing in David's day. 
They haven't went anywhere. Where'd they go? Here. So we need to do the same things that they did. And you guys, if they could do it, like in the Old Testament, they did it without the spirit of the living God living inside of them. We were a unique people. There has never been anyone like us. We're like reborn 2.0. We're like, it's like, it's crazy. Like God lives in us. His power indwells us. He's given us armor for this day. These guys were doing it without that. They were doing it on a law. They were doing it still with shame and guilt. We can do it as if we never sinned as sons. Man. Actually, you know what the model is? Jesus. You know what your helmet is? Jesus. What's salvation? Jesus. Maybe I should put on Jesus. Maybe if I put on Jesus, I'll do what Jesus does. Maybe if I walk out of Jesus and see out of Jesus and hear through Jesus, and I move my neck through Jesus... I'll go where Jesus goes. I'll do what Jesus does. I'll say what Jesus says. I'll be Jesus to this world. I think that's what the point is. Come on. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to give you guys opportunity. We got a little bit of time. I want you to just come, come down. If you feel the Lord's been drawing you, you want to get your mind right. I'm not saying you need to get born again. If you need to get born again, let's get born again. But if you ain't walking around with your helmet and you're seeing, and, and what I'm talking about, you're going, Pastor Steve, I'm not there then get there, then put that thing on and have your mind renewed. Get some things right with the Lord. Like, that's your invitation. If you need to come down here, like, if, if it's not, if you're not seeing what I've been talking about, you're not hearing what I'm saying you should be hearing, you're not, your will isn't submitted like it should be, then come and submit it. And you're going, why do I got to come to an altar? Like, especially this church, I think it's different. Like, it was very thing. Like, here's why you come to an altar. It's a place of death. It's a place of death. And you lay your flesh down on this altar. And you expect the fire of God to fall on it. And to consume that flesh. And it's a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And you submit yourself down on that altar. And you lay your life down on that altar. And you, got, you say, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, I'm giving you my eyes. God, I'm giving you my will. God, I want the taste of sin to go. God, I want the power of sin broken in my life. God, I want to be completely submitted to you. I want the lust of the flesh to be gone from me. I want the lust of my eyes to die. I want sin's power broken for good in my life. I want the helmet of salvation. And I want to put it on every single day. And you're going to say, Lord, today I'm making a declaration to you. I'm, I'm making a decision today. Every single day I'm going, to, I'm going to see how you want me to see. I'm going to speak what you want me to speak. This isn't some little thing. This is, this is like... I'm enlisting. I'm enlisting. I'm not going to be a sideline. I'm not going to be the ones that were during David's day that stood on the sideline and said, look how big the giant is. Look how big the giant is. I want to be a David that says, you know how big my God is? You know how big my God is? Where is that uncircumcised Philistine? Today, I'm going to have his head. That's doing all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's the power of God for salvation. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is here today.
and it's for you. Amen. Come and get it. Today's the day. Isaiah says, today's the day of salvation. Come and buy for me. Drink. It's all free. Do you need milk? Come and have milk. Do you need wine? Come and have wine. It's all here for you today, freely. Come and receive. Today's the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Well, one of these days. No, today. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Don't argue with him. Don't be too prideful. I don't care if you're, a, you're an elder, you're a deacon. All of us, the Bible says that to, all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us can let the, the, the things of this world cloud our mind and our judgment. We can begin to believe other things and see things with a different perspective than what the Father wants us to see. We can begin to get accusatory towards the Father. We can begin to get afraid to go out and to do the things that God's called us to do. We can let ourselves get blinded to what God is calling us to do. We can get confused by all the other voices. This is also a really good place where you can get those voices sorted out. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. I believe you're going to have some divine appointments. The Holy Spirit wants to clear some things up for you. Complete salvation. That's physical. Spiritual. And then the soul, mind, will, and emotions. I believe there's some, you've you got the battle going on in your mind constantly. Like, let's get that battle dealt with. Submit it to the Lord. Your will keeps going back and forth. You're in sometimes, you're out sometimes. I'm in sometimes, but get that thing settled. Your emotions, they're not always where you want them to be. Then allow him to do it. I'm not going to do it for you. I don't have that power, but he does. You submit yourself to him. Where it says, submit yourself to the Lord. Resist the devil and he'll flee. I'm going to dismiss the rest of you. I'm gonna, the altars are going to stay open. If you feel like you want to come and pray, the altars are open. If you need to be dismissed, you can go ahead and be dismissed. But hear me, be sensitive to what's going on in this, in this sanctuary right now. If you want to go outside and talk and do all that, you totally can. There's coffee and water out there. But if you're going to stay in here, we're going to stay in an atmosphere of worship and prayer. Amen? All right. We'll see you guys next week. And I don't want anything but you. You are more than every dream come true. All of the things I thought I wanted don't come close to knowing you. And now that I'm yours and